This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. The new year brings a new podcast. Hi, everyone. We'll get to a change the Vikings are contemplating. We'll get to the latest on the Twins' pursuit of you, Darvish. We'll get to the Wolves. Are they looking at any potential trades here as we enter 2018 as the trade deadline is about four weeks away? So lots to get to, but we'll start with a guest who will analyze the Wolves for us, David Thorpe. He's been on the podcast before. He left ESPN last spring, but noted NBA trainer, has spent a lot of time with the likes of Corey Brewer, Joe Kim Noah, Kevin Martin, so many guys. He is still omnipresent when it comes to many of ESPN's platforms. He does podcasts. He does all sorts of different radio interviews. He is a bastion of basketball knowledge. His knowledge of the NBA is as good as anyone, so I figured I'll get a national perspective on the Wolves, plus I can run a couple other NBA topics by him. So we'll get to David in a second, but first, some love for the sponsor of the Scoop Podcast. It is Running Tap online, running-tap.com. They deliver local beer right to you. You think about all the great local beer being produced. The likes of Fair State Brewing, the Free House. You have so many more options on running-tap.com. Prize Brewing, Bent Brustillery, and many, many more local options. And what they do, what Running Tap does, and again, the website running-tap.com, They have these beers. They deliver those beers right to you. It's fast as well. Plus, if you use the promo code, thescoop002, again, thescoop002, so you enter in that promo code when you go to check out, you can get $20 off your order of $30 or more. So, so many good options. You have to check out the website. So many good options of so many good local beers. They will be delivered right to you. There's no upcharge for deliveries on Sundays. Yes, they deliver on Sundays any day of the week. So be sure to check them out. They keep the podcast going. It is Running Tap online, running-tap.com. We'll get to scoops after David Thorpe, but let's start with one of the foremost NBA experts around. It is David Thorpe. David, it's always good to catch up. Let's start with the Wolves. I always like to get a national perspective on the Wolves. I mean, through 38 games, 10 games over 500, it helps that they're 8-2 and two in their last 10, so it's good times right now. But you look at their record against Western Conference teams, as far as I can tell, even the Warriors, the Spurs, the Rockets don't have the record the Wolves do against Western Conference opponents. There's a lot of good going on right now with the Wolves. How do you see things? I agree. Uh, no question about it. And I think with uh, Teague being out, it's a chance for Jones to assert himself a little bit and get more comfortable, which might make you guys about nine deep, which would be nice if you mm-hmm. don't do a deal. Uh, and uh, to me, there's a couple of things that, that, that jump out. One is Jimmy Butler is uh, what I would call, I just tweeted this actually, that he's a dark horse MVP candidate now that Harden's out. You know, if Harden's out a month, um, the race opens up. If he's not, it's really LeBron, at, you know, possibly Russell Westbrook if they if they make a huge move. I guess Durant could be in some consideration, but but I think Jimmy Butler, if you look at overall value to a team, that would be maybe a top three team, which is why I say if, with Harden out, which is at least two weeks, if not more, probably will be more. You know, maybe Minnesota can climb into the top three. I don't know that they'll pass San Antonio too, but if Kawhi's now back, but uh, if they're a top three team. I don't think Jerry Butler is going to win MVP, and I'm not convinced he'll get a single first-place vote. But I am convinced he's going to get some votes. 
Uh, and so that's, that's the no-brainer, right? The, the bigger thing to me is, is Wiggins. And I've always been one of his biggest fans. Uh, and I know he's played better of late, but that doesn't move the needle for me. He, he's got to recognize his place on each end of the court. Uh, he's got to do much more as a, as a basketball player, not just a scorer. And I, I do think he's made some progress with that in the last week, but mm-hmm. it's just a short period of time. Uh, making an easy play, not just looking to shoot the ball, moving without the basketball more, which I think is something he could be incredible at if he would try. And then, speaking of trying, uh, I, I, I do a thing on Instagram where I, I grab plays that I like or don't like and put them up. And I put a play up the other day where he got a steal, kind of kind of guarding his man. The pinch post had the ball, and he with those really long arms, he just flicked it loose and got himself an easy layup. And I just think he could do more of that. I think he could do more defensively on the ball, a lot more off the ball, uh, rebound more. He's one of the best three or four athletes in the world for any position if he wants to be, and maybe the fastest guy in the league without the ball. Uh, and so if he – and by the way, he wouldn't be the first guy ever at his age to you know, suddenly blossom uh, later in his, you know, in his career, meaning later in the season or early in his career – where all of a sudden he becomes an all-star level player. That's kind of the norm. Kawhi Leonard was just a nice role player on a great team. He, he wasn't better than Wiggins in terms of talent when he first started out in those first years in San Antonio, and he was a year older. So if Wiggins, Darren, really comes around, then all of a sudden I think Minnesota can do some things in the playoffs. Otherwise, they're really kind of a one-and-a-half-man team or so. Talent is still a ways away, especially defensively. So Jimmy Butler can't do it by himself. Wiggins can be a, an amazing sidekick to him. I mean, you bring up Kawhi. I mean, what about Jimmy? I mean, what about Butler early on in his Chicago career, right? I mean, yeah, there are numerous right. examples. I mean, he is only 22 years old, you know, so, you know, sometimes and we I forget that he's been in the league this long, but he's still young. I mean, I'm with you, David. I think Wiggins has has a ceiling he can still get to. I don't know if he'll get to it, but there's a lot more there. I really do believe that. Well, I, I, I'm sorry to cut you off. I, I, I don't even think those first two years even count. Uh, uh, playing, you know, and Flip was there. He was just starting out. I thought the Sam Mitchell situation was a disaster. And, and so I think Tom's really the, 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 you know, he's in a good situation now, I think, for the first time. And uh, it takes a while. I mean, Minnesota still isn't playing the kind of defense that we all just knew they would play, but we were all wrong. They, they just haven't done it. Mm-hmm. And partly it's age. You look at Philadelphia, who is so hot now. They're 17 and 19. It's hard to win with a lot of young guys, mostly on the defensive end of the court. That's really uh, – these players today are so skilled offensively, although sometimes they play out of control. But defensively is where they get killed because of what I just said. The offensive players are so gifted, no matter what age you are. They just can't guard. And, uh, and so I think Coach Thibodeau is obviously working his tail off to get them to buy in at that end. If they, if they don't, it's going to be a, it's gonna be a a disaster because in the years past in Minnesota, I've been a fan for a long time uh, for lots of reasons. I mean, you have to understand, I grew up rooting for Fran Tarkenton and Chuck Foreman. My <laughs> next-door neighbors, when I was eight years old, had moved in the day before us from Minneapolis down here in St. Petersburg. And so I just became, and I love the color purple, so I just became a huge Viking fan. So I've mm-hmm. always kind of an affinity for Minnesota sports. And in years past when they've been terrible, everyone knew they were going to be terrible. But, but now there's expectations. So if they don't progress in terms of maturity, in terms of effort, and uh, being professional on a daily basis, possession by possession, especially defensively, it's going to be really, really frustrating for them in a way they haven't experienced. So, I mean, they got a guy, Jimmy Butler, they can just really just follow him. 
it'd be, it'd be exciting to see that because I think if, if Wiggins, like I said, if he, I mean, come on, if he in town uh, grew to their potential on a, a, just a, a regular, a, a typical basis where they get better every year, this team's going to be a contender every year because Jimmy right now is the top of his game. I mean, I don't even think, David, he's a dark horse MVP candidate. I mean, maybe it's it's local bias, but I'm just trying to think. If they had Zach Levine, if they had Chris Dunn, they would have taken Laurie Markin, and Glenn Taylor was on the podcast right after the draft saying that if they had stayed at seven, if they didn't move the pick, Markkinen was their guy. I'm just trying to think. If they had those guys and added a free agent or two, this is like a 35-win type roster with Jimmy. I think they have a chance to get to 50 wins. Well, I'm not going to argue with you that in terms of pure value, uh, again, I think he's a dark horse MVP, but I just got done doing a podcast with David Griffin, a former GM of the Cavs, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we think, I, I, maybe, I asked the question with him and Tom Havistro, uh, if, if LeBron finishes up his regular season where he is now and wins the MVP, which is absolutely, I wouldn't even say probable right now because of Harden's injury, otherwise I... Harden, you have an argument with Harden. I wouldn't know who to pick in just in early January without Harden. LeBron's the, the favorite. I agree. Yeah. Uh, and if they and if they win the East and then do the impossible, which isn't so impossible really anymore with Isaiah looking as good as he did in Game One, and they beat the Warriors, LeBron's going to go down as maybe having the best season in the history of the NBA if you if, if those things happen, which are huge ifs. So my only point is. LeBron's chasing that kind of greatness. It's fifth MVP, a team that absolutely can win a championship. Uh, Jimmy Butler just can't win in the face of that. But to me, what's, I, I would love to see the fans chance the MVP for every game. He's earned it. He's that kind of the, the important thing to say here. As a two-way player, he outdoes LeBron. LeBron, LeBron defensively is metrics, and I get why. He's got to carry that team on his back by himself. Isaiah only now is showing up, and so LeBron has to pick He's got to pick sometime the rest. Uh, Jimmy hasn't. Jimmy, Jimmy, as an elite offensive player, I think he's the number one perimeter defensive player uh, in the metrics that I typically look at. So he's, I mean, again, he's right there. He's deserving a vote. He'll get a bunch. Uh, the key is, and everyone's asking this, you know, does this continue? Can Minnesota continue to stay a clear-cut top four team in the West? My answer is yes. I think they can get better because of their age. I mean, this is not a bunch of old guys you're worried about, like maybe in Cleveland. These young guys should be on the upward arc. They should play better defense, too. I mean, a little bit more on the defense. I mean, help me with this. Is is Brad Stevens just a mastermind? I mean, he's got Jalen Brown. He's got Jason Tatum. He's got Kyrie Irving. I mean, those guys play defense. Why can't the Wolves play better defense? So, yes, he's a mastermind. <laughs> I don't know that he's any better of a mastermind than, than Tom and than Thibodeau, but I do think he's better. I think he's one of the best in the world at reaching players, which is what Pop's key has always been. Uh, Thibodeau had in Chicago, although I think he had such a unique situation with the kind of players that he had. Uh, Joaquin was, is an, is a, I'll just say this, Joaquin Noah, when he was playing for the Gators, they had Tim Tebow and Joaquin, and people I've talked to there, I went to school there way before those guys were even born, but uh, they were uh, people were saying they're the two best leaders they had ever seen in, in college sports, and I agree. Both of them mm-hmm. were. Jo- Joaquin Noah was an unbelievable leader, and he was the perfect guy to play with Thibodeau and with Lou all there. They just had that, that component of guys that were all in their prime, in a sense, ready to go. And, of course, Jimmy was there and as a young guy and really athletic and physical and defensive-minded. Um, but Brad, Brad is, is brilliant at getting guys to be understand their role, understand their job, literally possession by possession. But what that means is you have to know who you're playing against, what their actions are, 
and you have different keys. You may, you may trap certain ball screens, depending on who the personnel are. You may ice it. You may blue it. Uh, you may uh, 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 hard heads. You might switch. I mean, on a, uh, every possession might be different based on who your personnel is and what they're guarding compared to who they're facing. And so I think Brad teaches that incredibly well or keeps it simple when you need to. And most importantly, I think his guys want to kill for him, like it's college. Like they got the people I've talked to that played for Brad or after they played for Brad when they've gone on another team, they just love him to a man. I mean, just love everything about him. And Tom, Tom's a hard guy to swallow. You know that. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think the players will play for him, but we haven't yet seen evidence that they'll really compete at the highest level every night. And that's not just on him. That's on them, too. That's on the management and ownership to get guys to get to the level maybe Jimmy's at. But I also think it doesn't just happen over the course of a season or two. You never know when that when that they think that the, the switch is flipped. The reality is it's a it's a movement towards the position where all of a sudden you're past the line and now guys get it. And and this Wiggins should be getting it now. He doesn't have an excuse. Towns does a little bit. Wiggins doesn't. Wiggins should be an elite defender, not a terrible one. And we're all watching because of that. I mean, he he's got to show progress there, uh, market progress for the rest of the season, not just flips. I mean, shouldn't Towns be getting it too, though? I mean, we are talking about now, what, 110 games under Tibbs? I mean, isn't that a large enough sample size, you know, with an off season, you know, multiple training camps and all that to, to figure this thing out? Oh, I think you're right. I mean, yes, there, there's no question that we can't just say, well, he's pretty young. He's played enough and he's talented enough. It really comes down to this. I was just talking to someone that, that knows uh, uh, he, he's kept to the Lakers really well and he really thinks Ball is very talented, Lazo Ball, but, but isn't sure he's got that, that dog in him. That's not his words, but that's what I was thinking, that, that willingness just to, to kill, to win. All right, well, that's Wiggins. I mean, we wonder about Wiggins then, David. I mean, does Wiggins – I actually think Cat does. I think Towns does. I think Towns does oh, that I, have I, that in him. He, I don't well, know about Wiggins, though. I agree with you on Wiggins, and I agree with you on Towns, except for this. Mm-hmm. And I've done this on my Instagram account with Towns. I, I love to show plays where Towns shows that, that extra gear. He does it on the offensive glass really well. He's got the quick second bounce for a guy that isn't you know, an uber athlete, elite athlete. He's a good athlete, very good athlete. Mm-hmm. But, but he'll go get it. But then there'll be plays defensively where he's just nowhere to be found. And so he just doesn't engage. And, and a guy like Todd Gibson, who is, who's done it for so long in his career, and Many of the, of the top defensive players, they just don't take plays off, especially if the offense doesn't revolve around that. And, and Towns has Butler and Wiggins, I and mean, he doesn't have to have it. Collectively, it, it, it's a big deal, too. You, 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 it's hard to play great defense with four if the fifth guy is just out to lunch uh, enough. And no one's out to lunch every single play all the time, although Harden for one year maybe, maybe was. <laughs> um, normally, they, they, they just have enough spots. But it seems like Minnesota – I'm not going to say they've turned a big corner, but it seems like they're starting to turn that corner. Uh, you'd like to see it, you know, for a longer period. Not, that's, not to win every game, but just to defend with passion and purpose and, and have that identity. Because I think, I mean, offensively, they're, they're a special team. They're not, they're not elite, but they're, they're very good. Uh, you know, definitely top ten, maybe even top six by the end of the year. They, they've just got to make that commitment defensively. And I'm sure Coach Thibodeau is preaching, preaching every day, but they've, they've got to want it. They've got to want to do it. Is Tibbs actually an underrated offensive coach? So I have, I have an assistant to the, the youngest coach in Europe, youngest uh, of any nationality, I think. Uh, he's he's uh, 32, and he has this great uh, Twitter account where he always puts up great plays. And so he's studying 
coaches from all over the world all the time when he's when he's not coaching himself. And I want to ask him that because he he had a lot of Brad Stevens metrics that I, I found intriguing. And I asked him what he thought of Tom, and this was after he left Chicago, and he said that the stuff they, he runs is really good. Uh, he didn't think that Chicago executed as well, and I just figured it's because they spent more time on defense and offense in, in their focus and their practices and the film or whatever. Uh, he's blessed with better offensive players in Minnesota. But, yeah, I, I was, I've watched tape on them. i watched them play live. They've got a good mix of ISOs and actions that they run. Uh, they, they might be a little bit predictable, but they, they're predictable with players that are so talented they can afford it. And I think they have a good plan with what they want to do. Uh, they could stand to shoot better. I'd like to see them shoot more threes, too. But there's, mm-hmm. there's no excuse not to win games because of their offense. This is, we all know what the problem is now. They're, they're an okay rebounding team, but to me, it's, it's, that, it's that disposition to defend possession by possession, which has to be part of the culture and identity of a franchise. The Spurs were able to continue to win without Kawhi for that exact reason. They know exactly who they are and how to win games, and that's because they grind it on every possession, both ends. Where do you stand, David, on on the minutes topic that that Tibbs is playing his guys, his starters, too many minutes? I think it's ludicrous what he's doing, and I've I've always thought that. The science is in. In fact, I'll I'll go a step further. The science is trickling down now there into every level. I listened to a really smart college football guy today who was saying that uh, in the last whatever number of years Alabama's made it to the Final Four of this playoff system, uh, obviously they're considered one of the top defensive teams every year. They sent a ton of guys to the NFL, and yet they've given up like 35 in, in four straight games or whatever number of games it was until this year, and that Saban recognized he just played his guys too many plays. They were dead by the by late December, early January, and so he made a, he made a change this year, and they held Clemson at six points and really just stuffed them. And so it's trickling down. It's something we've been following at the high school level. My son's a 16-year-old uh, playing at a, a high-level team in, in Florida, and it's something that uh, I talk to the coach about all the time. In fact, I use Minnesota as an example all the time because uh, our head coach likes to play. Our, we have a really good starting five, uh, and he played them too much. And so we end up getting really tired of fourth quarters and, and losing leads we shouldn't lose because the kids are dead. And so I, I do think it's an issue. I, don't, I have no idea what, what Coach Thibodeau is saying or what he really, really believes. I just know the evidence is in front of us. And again, it's not just an opinion. It's not art. It's science. Uh, he'd be better off getting his guys more rest and making sure they're there come postseason. And it's something LeBron's even talked about, too, that now with Isaiah back, not only will, will LeBron have less minutes potentially where he needs to play because they should blow a lot of teams out and be able to rest in the fourth, but also – uh, his stress minutes will go down because there'll be a number of possessions where he can play off the ball. Chris Paul, Darren, just talked about this where he said that there's times in the second half of games where then Tony said, Chris, you know, you okay to run some point here? And he's like, are you kidding me? I haven't, I haven't been a primary ball handler for the whole game. I'm, I feel like I haven't played yet. I'm so fresh. Well, that's exactly why the Rockets are so good with both guys is because what Harden and Paul can relieve each other uh, it's the same kind of idea. And, and by the way, Darren, this isn't new. I was just watching a documentary, uh, 30 for 30, on the Boston Lakers rivalry. Oh, it's excellent, uh, Boston, yeah. It was amazing. Best of enemies where they, Boston won an 84, and I was a big Laker fan. We won an 85, 87. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the Laker players were saying, this was in the 80s, they were saying Magic, I think it was, I think it was their 87 run where he was just pounding them to make sure we jump on teams early so we don't have to play in fourth quarters so we have our legs in the end, which, of course, they needed to be to be Boston and six that year. And, and so it's not new. 
it just was an opinion before, and now it's science. So I, I, I've always wondered at, at the management level, how can you get your coaches, especially a guy like Coach Thibodeau, to understand that the, the marathon aspect of what's going on? And, 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 but you know what? Maybe, maybe Minnesota's going to say, screw it, let's win a bunch of games now, we'll lose in the first round, but at least we made the playoffs. I, I think that's short-term thinking. I think that they're deep enough where you can play them a little less and, uh, and, and then maybe try to win a series or two. And that, that team, if, if Towns and Wiggins got to their potential for their age, I don't, I'm not saying at the peak of their careers, why, why couldn't they upset a Houston or a San Antonio? They're, they're a talented team. I'm with you. I actually think they match up pretty well with the Spurs. You know, so yes, I'm with you now. Let's not forget, David, it's been 13 years since they've been to the playoffs, so just simply making the playoffs here yeah. is monumental. I mean, heck, they might erect yeah. a statue of Tibbs out in front of Target Center. <laughs> Seriously, just for making the playoffs. But, yeah, I'm with you. I, I hope I hope the goals are, are bigger than that. You know, and let's also not forget, by the way, David, that, that Tibbs is management. You know, you're talking about management. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. Tibbs is, is the boss here. So, you know, right. to me what doesn't make sense is they have an open roster spot. They also have an open, uh, you know, two-way situation where they never yeah. signed a second two-way guy. Where even the guy they have now under a two-way, Anthony Brown, I don't know if he's yeah. an NBA player or not, but I know he can shoot. Why not? Why not right. give him a try? You know, there's certain things I think Tibbs could do, and he's just he won't do it though. He's stubborn. He just he can't help himself. He just he loves to play these starters 35 minutes a game. Well, and the thing is too is. Uh... Lou Aldang and Joakim Noah and Derrick Rose, you know, are just shells of their former selves. And mm-hmm. we, we can't say for certain that that's Tibbs' fault. That's, we can't say that. There's so many factors involved in that. But we can be worried about it. If you're, if you're rooting for Minnesota, you can be thinking, okay, we're going to be a top four team this year, and we're going to be a top four team for the foreseeable future if we keep these guys around. And you've got some value in a guy like Gorgie, for example, where if you don't keep him, maybe you move him and, and get some nice assets back. The only way we don't stay relevant is a serious injury. So it, it, it factors there, too. And then the, the, the really simple argument, though, is just looking at the Spurs. I mean, yes, they've, everyone still is getting hurt. But, I mean, I mean, Tim Duncan played until he was 40. Mono Ginobili still is Mono Ginobili. Now, he doesn't do it often. But, but I mean, and Dwayne Wade uh, still can play mm-hmm. by mega minutes. But, but later in his career under Spolstra, Volstra was was open about making sure none of those guys play more than three thousand minutes. That's the that's the big number that some of that research, I think, it was John Hollinger researched when he was back at ESPN, where where he said no championship team since Jordan has had even one player play three thousand minutes. Uh, and so Spolstra was asked that once during the season. He said, "Why would I defy John Hollinger? He's a smart guy. You know, he's with Memphis now. Uh, none of our guys are. I'm not going to get anyone to that number." So, again, it's science now. We know that. And Jimmy Butler has made a couple of comments I've seen. Uh, I think what you said is right, though. I think that they're, that they're excited to be a top-four team, and they don't want to take any chance of that. But, but again, I, I, I'd like to see – it's a professional team. It's not a high school team. I'd like to see a little longer-term thinking that, hey, we're, we'd rather be in fifth place with guys playing a lot less minutes and be built for the future than, than just do everything we can, leave everyone in minutes played for starters and finish in fourth and die in the postseason and have a shorter run over the course of the next few years. I mean, Jimmy Butler's in phenomenal shape, but I'll tell you what, David, in a few years, he's the one that worries me, that he's playing so many minutes, played so many minutes in Chicago under Tibbs. I mean, I hope that Jimmy Butler is a really good player in four or five years, like he is right now. So that's that's exactly what I mean. Uh, I know this, and, and again, talking to David Griffin today, LeBron is not someone that's 
fair to look at. He, he's just a freak. He, he's a genetic, you know, he's one of those rare, rare genetic freaks in a way that we, we've almost never seen in the NBA. And, and Jimmy Butler is like a miniature version of LeBron in a lot of ways. But to think that he can be just that durable is folly. If he is, great. But the reality is probably more like he'll be like everybody else. And, and as he gets older, he'll deal with more and more issues. And, again, that's the only way to keep this franchise from being a perennial top-four team. And to me, and this is just David Thorpe talking, I have no idea what most owners and managers think. But to me, if you can put a team together that's going to compete for 50 wins a year, I can deal with an injury to a player or two because over the course of a month or two because you're deep. Uh, you're, and, and, you know, and be in the playoffs every year and give yourself a chance. Uh, to me, that's all you can give a fan base that's worthy of their season tickets and worthy of their attention. If you put it all in for one or two great years and then you suck all the other years, to, as, as a guy I've lived in Tampa my whole life, I, if our Buccaneer team was all, I don't follow football anymore when I used to, if we could just be a solid nine or ten win team and, and have hope, great. But to, to win one Super Bowl but suck two years later for the next 15 years, that, that's just not fair. I, I just think Minnesota's fans would love a perennial 50-win team, and they're built to have that for the foreseeable future, barring catastrophic, you know, catastrophic injuries, bred probably from too many minutes. I mean, I do anticipate the Wolves will make a move or two, whether it's somebody who's bought out, making a trade. I mean, heck, your guy Corey Brewer would be a guy I'd call on. I mean, if I'm the Wolves, Corey Brewer could help the Wolves right now. I would think Palenka would give him away. I just hung up the phone with him. I just hung up the phone with him, and uh, the Lakers are telling him that they really want to keep him there. Oh, uh, well, he's he's all right. a real role model there. But, I mean, they, there is a circus there. I, I think he, He's always just funny. He's always loved Minnesota. And he, we talked about three playoff teams that have inquired – that right now the Lakers just don't want to do anything, but um, I'm, and I'm sure there's more. He just doesn't know about it, and, and God knows what players really know. Their agents tell them all sorts of stuff. <laughs> but I think there's probably 10 to 12 guys that are gettable that could add another rotation player, uh, give them more depth, rest Jimmy, rest Andrew. I mean, the other thing to think about, too, is this is something we know also, that a, uh, a, you'll get more out of your better players rested than you will playing them more minutes when they're tired. Forget about the injury factor. Uh, and so if, if, if Coach Thibodeau had guys he could trust and, and found a, find another five, six minutes per half for another guy to spare Jimmy Butler two or three minutes and Wiggins two or three minutes, you'll, you'll end up being a better team with that guy getting more rest. So, uh, But you, you're right. I knew that he was management. That was kind of my point. Um, ownership's got to be able to say to him something, and I don't think that's going to happen. No. And so guess what? It's all on him. So maybe he's the genius. We're all idiots, and Papa's wrong, and and the Warriors have been wrong, and, and all these teams, Boston's wrong, and that rest really doesn't matter. And that you can play them all you want, and they'll win four championships in the next seven years. But right now, the science says that that's not the case. I am going to trust the science. I'll leave you with this, David. You're close with Kevin Martin. Does Kevin want to come back? <laughs> Kevin is planning a trip overseas every month or so. He he takes an amazing trip with his family and or good friends. Uh, he works for the NBA as an ambassador for them. Uh, he's building an incredible home, like 20 minutes from where I live, right, right close to where I grew up. And uh, he's a real estate mogul. He he spends eight hours a day on Zillow when he's not traveling the world for the NBA. And uh, you know what? He he really, honestly, Sam Mitchell helped him lose his taste for basketball. Uh, I I helped him get to the Spurs. I thought that it was the only franchise that could get him to love the game that he only lived for. I mean, this kid, all he did was play basketball day and night. And now he's in love with his wife and his little baby girl, who's a year and a half old, and and 
and finding good deals at homes and renovating them and that and doing his own home. So uh, and representing the NBA. So no, I he wanted to tell you this. He walked in the gym this summer. A bunch of my young players wanted to meet him. They had heard so many things about him. And a lot of our shooting drills, Darren, we have we call Kevin rules. So we have regular shooting rules. You have to make X number of shots and X number of minutes to win. And then we have we call Kevin rules, which is just another a level of making shots that almost nobody can do. I love it. The only guy that's ever come close is Omri Caspi, who's a 40% shooter. He's great. And now he's 50% almost, I think, to the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Kevin walked in the gym, and, and they, all the guys wanted to see him shoot. And I said, Kevin, this is June. I, I said, when's the last time? He's like, I'll do it. I said, when's the last time you shot? He's like, I think I took a couple of shots in January when I was home visiting. This was this past June. And when I was visiting my – his middle school gym named after him in, in Danesville. And uh, so the guy's like, oh, come on, shoot it. So he, he made eight straight threes. They looked terrible, but they all went in. And then he's <laughs> it like, doesn't I'm, matter. I'm, done. I'm yeah. back to retired. Some guy's going to throw in the ocean, the rim like it's the ocean, you know? Oh, I love it. David, happy new year. Thank you for doing this. Let's do it again soon. Look forward to it. Thanks, Darren. He is so good. NBA analyst David Thorpe. Here's what you might have missed on a recent episode of the Crafty Rogues podcast. You want to talk cricket? You look like you want to bounce up and down like a cricket ball on a dodgy wicket. No, I, I just want to get the cricket out of the way. Yeah. Gloating is bad. Is it? So I'll only We've do it We've only got a... two listeners who are anyway interested. I'll only gloat for a Hang couple on. of minutes. Before you get into the cricket. Yeah. Friday night. Yeah. I'm at home with my son. Yes. I'm like, he's like, what are we going to do, Dad? I'm like... I'm going to give you some cultural lessons. So I took him through some of the dodgy channels on the dodgy stick. We actually found the Minnesota Wild Game on a Portuguese channel (laughs) that was taking uh, a feed from Minnesota. But further down the pecking order, I showed him some rugby. He enjoyed that. We spent 20 minutes explaining that. Then I showed him cricket. He said, ooh, what's that? Yeah. And then I explained it was the ashes and he he fell asleep. You lost him there? Yeah. You can find The Crafty Rogues on iTunes or wherever it is you find your podcasts. Download and subscribe today. One Insta scoop reacting to what David had to say. The Wolves are not one of the teams to reach out to the Lakers about Corey Brewer. I'm on that bandwagon. I brought it up with David. David and Corey know each other very well. I mean, he just said, hey, I just got off the phone with Corey. But the Wolves are not one of the teams to reach out to Rob Palenka and the Lakers to date. The NBA trade deadline in early February, it's moved up by a couple weeks this year. So I do expect the Wolves to be active as we get closer to that February deadline, early February deadline. But so far, not a whole lot of traction. In fact, let's pick up the scoop portion of the podcast right there. I'll continue the trade theme. So the Wolves are not in on Corey Brewer. They've not touched base yet with Memphis on Tyreek Evans. They have not touched base with Atlanta on Marco Bellinelli. They did reach out to teams a couple weeks ago, as I've mentioned, letting them know that Gorgie Jang is available. But if I had to bet, my sense from talking to league executives is Gorgie Jang's contract is, I don't want to say it's impossible to move, but not many teams are bending over saying, hey, give us three years, $46 million of Gorgie Jang. He is a serviceable player, but it turns out, and I was wrong on this. This is one I was absolutely wrong on. I did not see the salary cap freezing. I thought the salary cap would continue to go up, up, and up. And I was looking at Rudy Gobert's contract, Steve Adams' contract. Not that Gorgie is those guys, but with those guys getting $100 million, I thought, you know what, Gorgie is worth 65 to $70 million. So the fact the Wolves got him at $62.8 million, heck, his camp was asking for way more than $62.8 million. So I looked at the four-year $62.8 million deal that Gorgie signed, you know, going back now 14, 15 months, I thought it was a good deal, but I was wrong on that. It's not impossible to move, so it's not a bad contract. 
You know, a bad contract is one you can't move. You could eventually move Gorgie Jang, but do I think he gets moved here in the next few weeks? I do not think he gets moved. Also, the Wolves have not touched base with Dallas on Wes Matthews, but they do have interest in Nerlens Noel, but he's still dealing with that injury. So Noel is certainly a name to watch as we get closer to that deadline when he comes back from his injury. Yes, they've done their homework on Jared Dudley. So, yes, they have talked to the Suns is my understanding. I don't get the sense anything is imminent, but Jared Dudley is a name to watch as we get closer to that February trade deadline. I'll continue to say that I do see the Wolves filling out their roster. Remember, they have that 15th slot open, so I do see them eventually filling that. Now, if they don't somehow come to an agreement on some sort of trade, there will be guys that are bought out. So let's not forget that avenue. I mean, heck, two names that came up with David Thorpe, Luol Dang, Joe Kim Noah. Is it possible the Knicks buy out Noah? Is it possible somehow the Lakers reach a buyout agreement for Luol Dang? I mean, the Lakers want as much salary cap space as possible heading into next summer. You know, is it possible? That might be a really hard buyout to execute with all that money that the Lakers owe Luol Dang. But if somehow they reach a buyout agreement on Luol Dang, I can guarantee you the Wolves will have all sorts of interest. So whether it's the trade route or signing somebody that is bought out, I do see the Wolves helping their bench in the next handful of weeks. But nothing is on the cusp of happening right this second. I'd love to see Elijah Millsap, Paul Millsap's brother, up. He plays for the Iowa Wolves. I don't sense the Wolves. Well, in fact, I know the Wolves have not talked about bringing Millsap up. Yeah, sure, I'm sure they've had some internal dialogue, but it certainly has not reached external dialogue. But anyway, he is dealing with a shoulder injury. I am told he's still a bit sore, but Elijah Millsap, who has missed the last couple games for the Iowa Wolves, I'm told he'll be back in the lineup before the week is over. Jeff Teague continues to do well. That is more like a multi-week injury. That is not a six- to eight-week injury. So look for Jeff Teague back sometime, maybe even before the month is over, if not before the month is over, you know, the start of February or so. But this is not a long-term injury. Heck, you know what, though? Tyus Jones is performing very, very well. You know, heck, I've been saying for a long time Tyus should play more. I'll give the Wolves credit. They nearly gave him away at the start of last season. The Pelicans, the Sixers, and the Kings all tried to grab Tyus from here. The Wolves said no. They were given some offers. They were not great offers. The Wolves said, no, we'll hold on to him. Let's see what we have. I'll give Tibbs credit. He held on to him. He now is realizing that Tyus Jones is a good player. So it's not like Jeff Teague has to rush back, although, heck, maybe he wants to rush back to get his starting job back. But I'm just saying, Tyus Jones playing very well. So, you know, there is no real reason for Jeff Teague to rush back, but this is not a long-term type injury. He should be back relatively soon. Also on the Wolves' front, they had a scout earlier in the week at the Georgetown-DePaul game. It's that time of the year. They have their scouts out and about at a ton of games, and that was one they were at earlier this week. All right, let's get to the Vikings. Do not worry about Pat Elfline and his shoulder. He is good to go. Pat Elfline will be the Vikings center on January 14th when they play either the Rams, Panthers, or Saints. Here's what's interesting, though. Here's your scoop. They are absolutely the Vikings, that is, are contemplating an offensive line change. They love Rashad Hill. So that change would involve Remmers moving to guard. We saw this a week or two ago with Hill at right tackle putting Jeremiah Searles on the bench as a backup, that they trust Hill more than they trust Searle. So that is something they are kicking around a bunch internally. Do not be surprised if on January 14th 
we see that. We see Remmers playing guard. We see Hill playing right tackle. Also, it is obvious, painfully obvious, being in the locker room on Wednesday, that Kyle Rudolph's ankle is pretty messed up. He'll be okay. He's a pretty tough guy. There's no doubt in my mind that Rudolph will be out there on January 14th. How impactful can he be? That remains to be seen. He actually is okay running. Cutting is a bit of an issue, but he can run routes. It's when he has to block big defensive linemen like he did in the Green Bay game. The blocking is is troublesome because he's such a technique guy. He admitted, I'm not a great blocker, but you know why I'm an okay blocker is I have really good technique. I'm not going to overpower guys, but I have good technique. But that technique is impacted by his ankle injury. So he, as much as anybody, is utilizing these four days off. The Vikings are off until Monday, the players, that is. And even on Monday, it's not like Rudolph has to practice until middle to late of next week. So he has a bunch of time to get that ankle right. He'll be getting nonstop treatment. So no doubt in my mind that Kyle Rudolph will be on the field on January 14th. But do know, if the Vikings were playing a game on January 6th, or 7th, I don't think Kyle Rudolph would play. It's the start of a busy three-day stretch for Pat Shermer. Heck, he's busy anyway, game planning for a January 14th game, as much game planning as he can do. But he has four interviews, the Cardinals, the Bears, the Lions, and the Giants. Of the four, I am told to keep the closest eye on the Arizona Cardinals, the least amount of eyes on the Detroit Lions. I don't see Pat Shermer getting the Lions job but I would keep an eye on the Arizona Cardinals job. I'm thinking more and more that Pat Shermer will end up with one of these jobs. If it's Arizona, they need a quarterback. It'll be interesting to see who of the three quarterbacks, Keenum, Bridgewater, Bradford, that Pat Shermer wants to go after, that he says to the GM there in Arizona, hey, if I'm coming there, it needs to be a package deal. Let me bring in one of my quarterbacks, one of the guys that I'm familiar with. So keep an eye on Arizona, not only for Shermer, but one of the three Vikings unrestricted free agent quarterbacks. If Shermer does get a head coaching job, I can just tell you they think the world internally of quarterbacks coach Kevin Stefanski. And Kevin is ready to call play. So that would be a name to keep an eye on if the Vikings went internal to hire an offensive coordinator again if Shermer leaves. And if Stefanski did get elevated, I can tell you that Todd Downing, Eden Prairie native, former Vikings employee, the former Raiders offensive coordinator, Raiders play caller, He got caught up in that storm of Jack Del Rio being let go, the Raiders bringing in John Gruden. So Todd Downing is looking for a job. He would have interest, even with his play-calling experience. Clearly, his top choice is to go call plays for somebody else to be an offensive coordinator again, but he would have interest. He has so much love for his hometown, loves the Vikings organization. Todd Downing would have interest in being the Vikings quarterback's coach, again, if Stefanski got elevated two offensive coordinator. George Edwards, by the way, interviewing later this week for the Chicago Bears job. Do I sense that he has a real shot at that job? I do not. Friend and local NFL agent Blake Barrett. Hey, by the way, Blake, I need to get into that Super Bowl party you're throwing. Anyway, Blake represents Brandon Zilstra, Canadian Football League star, New London Spicer High School, Concordia Moorhead University. He signed a futures contract with the Vikings. He had a bunch of teams, according to Barrett's, after his services. But hey, Barrett's represents Adam Thielen. You think about Adam Thielen's route. You think about Zilstra, you know, his history producing in Canada. So he was signed to a futures contract by the Vikings. And they actually gave him a few extra dollars, a little bit more than what is typical when signing a guy to a futures contract. So congratulations to the Minnesota native, Brandon Zilstra, signing a futures deal with the Minnesota Vikings. 
All right, let's get to the Twins. As of late Tuesday night, the 2nd of January, I'm taping this podcast on the 3rd of January, Wednesday in the afternoon. As of late Tuesday night, the Twins were still trying to match up schedules so they can meet with free agent Hugh Darvish. There is optimism that the two sides will eventually figure out a date that works. The Twins do have their organizational meetings next week in Fort Myers. Not that Derek Falvey and Thad Levine couldn't escape from Fort Myers, hop on a flight to Dallas to meet up with Darvish. It's possible, but I know the Twins would prefer to do it either late this week or maybe late next week. Those organizational meetings are toward the earlier part of the week, you know, but they have it's a lot of people. It's scouts, it's coaches, it's so many people in Fort Myers. So there are meetings after meetings. I know Falvey and Levine prefer to be there for all of it if they can. But, hey, if they have a chance to get you, Darvish, you do what you have to do to meet with him face-to-face. But I'm just telling you there is optimism that the two sides can come to an agreement on a date that works. The Twins are still in on you, Darvish. They are having constant dialogue with his side. The Yankees are lurking, so always keep an eye on them. The Dodgers are lurking. The Astros have interest. I'm told the Rangers have interest. The Mariners have interest. And the Cubs do have interest. I mean, they met with him, but there's still a lot of people in baseball that think the Cubs really won Alex Cobb. When you think about the Jim Hickey, Joe Madden connection to Alex Cobb. But, hey, if you have a chance to get you Darvish at about the same number, maybe just a little bit more. I mean, everybody would acknowledge that you Darvish is a better pitcher than Alex Cobb. You know, so the Cubs are showing interest, but I'm just telling you, there is a belief from a bunch of people that the Cubs really want Cobb, that Darvish will land elsewhere. I can tell you that sources close to both Alex Cobb and Lance Lynn have the sense that the Twins are waiting out Darvish before they do anything else. So the Twins still have interest in Cobb. They still have interest in Lynn. They have talked to Scott Boros, who represents Jake Arrieta. So they are still maintaining dialogue on all the big name free agent starters, but Darvish is the priority. But I'll continue to say, I've been saying this for how long now, I would be surprised if the Twins offer you Darvish a six-year deal for $130 to $140 million. Are the Twins very open to a four-year deal for Darvish? Are they willing to pay good money? Yes. I'm just telling you, I don't see the Twins making Darvish a six-year offer at that monster money. If they somehow went to six, the money would have to be Less on a per-year basis. But do know the Twins are maintaining interest in you, Darvish. But, you know, hey, no even face-to-face meeting. They have not made any offers. I've been asked that a lot. No, they have not made you, Darvish, an offer. They'd like to meet with him first. Not that you have to meet with him. Fed Levine knows him very well. But if you're trying to meet with him, you know, you're not trying to meet with him, you know, after making him an offer. I mean, heck, if you wanted to make him an offer, you could have made him an offer weeks ago. So, No sense whatsoever the Twins have made any of these guys a full-fledged offer quite yet. The Twins have made an offer to former New York Yankee G-Man Choi. G-Man Choi, a report from Korea, the first on this, but I can confirm the Twins have made G-Man Choi a minor league offer. He can play, I think he's, I should look this up. You would think I would know. For sake of this podcast, although I'll claim I don't know much about G-Man Choi. I saw a note. Somebody told me to check on it. I reached out to somebody close to Choi. They confirmed, hey, yeah, the Twins have made a minor league offer like a bunch of teams. I don't even know what position he is. I can tell you he can hit for a little bit of power. I'm presuming he's got some first base in him and some corner outfield. And, of course, he could DH. Action will pick up on the Twins arbitration eligible guys. Who are they? Kyle Gibson, Trevor May, Eduardo Escobar, Ryan Presley. 
Andrianza, am I leaving anybody out? The Twins tendered contracts to all their arbitration-eligible guys. I think that's the fullest. Anyway, they've told the agents for these players, hey, as we get closer to the deadline, which is next week, that's when action will pick up. So they're not really getting down to the nitty-gritty. Internally, they are. But externally, with the agents, they're not getting down to the nitty-gritty of avoiding arbitration, agreeing to one-year deals until sometime next week. But do look for the Twins to avoid arbitration. I don't think it actually gets to an arbitrator You know, when it comes to any of those guys, look for the Twins to reach deals with all those guys before it gets to that point, that deadline of next week. Yeah, it's May, Gibson, it is Escobar, it is Presley, Andrianza, and I might be leaving out one guy. If I'm leaving out a guy, I apologize. That is top of my head. I should have written down all the names on my page of notes. What else do I have written down on the Twins? I have written down that the Howie Kendrick camp is trying to engage the Twins, but there is no interest from the Twins in Howie Kendrick. There is no rush on Mike Napoli. I've talked about that for weeks here on the podcast. Yes, can I see a scenario where Mike Napoli eventually signs with the Twins? Absolutely, but there is no rush. That is something they will do if they do it end of January, maybe mid-January, but more like end of January or maybe closer to the start of spring training. But there is interest in Mike Napoli, as we noted a number of weeks ago, and it was the Jerry Fraley's of the world and others that picked up on it. But the Twins' interest in Napoli was established. Heck, it was established last year when they made him a nicer offer than Texas, but he chose Texas. But it was established this offseason in November on this podcast. I talked at decent length last week on episode 118 of the Scoop Podcast about the Twins' Putting feelers out on Miguel Sano. That was before the Betsy Bisson allegations. This was before. So, you know, the Twins were just putting out feelers, not knowing what the heck was going on with the allegations put out on Twitter by Betsy. On that front, I can just tell you Major League Baseball is conducting an investigation. They're not going to give us an update on that investigation until their findings are final. So it's an ongoing investigation. The Twins are involved. What makes it difficult is we don't know if Ridgedale, Ridgedale Mall video exists going back a couple years. Sano now has a new agent compared to back then. Not that that matters. I mean, Major League Baseball can conduct its investigation whether Sano has a new agent or not. They'll just reach out to the old agent, Rob Plummer. But I know that's complicating things for the new agent, Kyle Thousand. So there's many layers to the investigation at this point. We'll let Major League Baseball do its investigation, we can react accordingly when those findings are released. But just know when the Twins put out some feelers on Sano, it was just to a couple teams. It wasn't many. It was not all of baseball. might have been more than just a couple. But it wasn't many teams. The Twins did not know about these allegations. Also on the Twins, I mentioned Zach Duke's salary and his bonus money last week, $2.15 million base. He can earn an additional $1.5 million in incentives. To be a little bit more specific, the incentive money kicks in. It's based on appearances. It kicks in at 40 appearances, then goes up. You know, if he makes 50 appearances, 60 appearances, 65 appearances, it's based on appearances. That's how Duke can earn the bonus money. We'll wrap up with a potpourri of notes, but first, just a bit more love for Running Tap, the sponsor of the Scoop Podcast online, running-tap.com. They deliver good local beer right to you. It doesn't cost that much. Check out the website, running-tap.com. If you place an order, by the way, that's $30 or more, I can get you $20 off. Use the promo code THESCOOP002. So when you complete your purchase on running-tap.com, there'll be a section where you can enter in a promo code. The code is THESCOOP002. 
0-2. Again, the scoop 2 for $20 off your order of $30 or more. They deliver on Sundays. They deliver on Saturdays. There's no upcharge for delivery on Sunday. So if you're hanging at home this weekend, it's wild card weekend. You'll be home on Saturday night. Rams, Falcons, seeing if the Rams win that game, if it'll be Vikings-Rams on January 14th at U.S. Bank Stadium. And you need your fix of good local beer. Forget the traditional stuff that you can get at any liquor store down the street. You want the good local stuff. Support some of these good local companies. They produce really good stuff. So if you're into the local beer scene, you need to check out running-tap.com. All right, on the potpourri front, former Gophers running back Kobe McCrary signed with an agent. All those guys have signed with agents. I just know that McCrary signed with Chris Murray. He's based here in Minneapolis. He represents Marcus Sherrill's, among others. Also, the NFL Combine invites are starting to go out. I can tell you three local players will be at the Indianapolis Draft Combine. Jack Sitchie played his high school football at Hill Murray, played his college football for the University of Wisconsin. He's a linebacker. He is in. He got his invite. Jake Wynicky, wide receiver, South Dakota State, Maple Grove High School. He got his invitation. And Frank Ragnow, Arkansas Center, Chanhassen High School. He, too, will be at the NFL Draft Combine. So Sitchie and Wynicky and Ragnow, a nice local connection with the NFL Draft Combine coming up in late February, mid to late February. Nothing overly pressing on Gophers Athletics. They are planning uh, some different types of events with the Athletes Village opening the week of January 22nd. I know they're planning something for us media knuckleheads that week, and I'm sure luminaries as well. So the Athletes Village is on the cusp of opening. That will be a fantastic facility for Gophers athletes. On the basketball front, Nate Mason, I know the ankle bugged him even earlier this week. I'm taping this before the Illinois game. I have not heard if he is in for the Illinois game. If he's in, great, but just know his ankle is not near 100%. I know just from a couple team sources that it was bothering him pretty good earlier in the week at practice. He was very, very limited at practice. The Gophers may have some local recruits at the game this weekend against Indiana. No local recruits at the Illinois game. On the football front, nothing pressing. I'm trying to think. There is one of those All-American games on ESPN. You or two on Thursday at 5 o'clock. At least one, if not a couple, future Gophers playing in that game. Gophers hockey. You know what? For Gophers hockey, I'll get Mike Gensel on a future podcast. We should catch up with Mike on the podcast. He's always good to the podcast. Also, what else is going on? The Wilds get Nino Niederreiter back, so they have a full complement of guys as of Thursday against Buffalo. You know what? I'll get Brent Flair on the podcast. I know Chuck Fletcher, Wild general manager, is doing some scouting and some other work over in Russia right now. So Flair is stateside. Maybe I'll track down Brent Flair for a future Scoop podcast. Otherwise, nothing too pressing. We'll cap this at 50 minutes. How about 50 minutes for Scoop Podcast episode 119? Happy New Year, Scoop Podcast faithful. Always appreciate you listening. I know you have lots of options. So thank you, thank you, thank you for choosing to listen to this podcast.